Hello, I'm Jack, and today I wish to tell you a tale. A story that should make you appreciate the world you live in now. While I understand if you are unable, I recommend listening with no distractions. This is a story about you. Not the you that you'd know, but in another world. I think there are enough clues to figure out what's different about this world. You were raised fairly normal, in a flat in Brooklyn on top of an offensive Italian restaurant. It wasn't the workers or the food that made it offensive. It was the name. It was simply called Minnelli. Or, as you tried to spread it out, Mini Italy. Since people never experienced poetry, the appeal of words was lessened. Instead, names were made as simple as possible. You went to school, 274. Education becoming regulated across the whole country. Despite English being taught in every class, it was underappreciated. And oftentimes, it was the first to be sacrificed for field trips. There was, however, one class the students couldn't rip their students out of foreign language. Everyone studied a language. Each bore with their own. They were curious about if there was another way to say something, since they only taught one way to say it, seeing no purpose to provide another way. You actually took Korean, a less popular course by sure, but you thought there must be something hiding in the simple alphabet. You thought that since it had less letters, they must have more ways to say things, shouldn't they? Like your peers, you were wrong. So even though slang developed, it was never too different from the accepted form. Still, you enjoyed how complex the language was. It was something to focus your mind on. But back to the present. After graduating, you saw no purpose in going to college, since 50% of the United States at that time was already in college. Without a need for rhythm, the people in this world choose the path of least resistance instead of fulfilling their dream. Your work as a shopkeeper. My apologies. I seem to have slipped over my own words. You, dear listener, work as a shopkeeper for a bookshop. A relatively easy job since barely anyone comes in. The books that were in there were what we all call nonfiction in our world. In this world, if something has no purpose, it is eliminated. So, in there, you could find educational books, biographies, and glorified newspaper articles. Occasionally, you have the random passerby. But usually, they are drawn across the street to the art gallery. Words fail, art succeeds. Many poets from our world became artists in this one. Walt Whitman, for example, made a love of surrealist work of Abraham Lincoln, if you're curious. Oftentimes, your boss goes by the name of Joe and go out for a little date with his wife, leaving you to your own devices. One day, you were dusting the shelves as usual. The last day of the week was always cleaning day. The problem if I were to call this Sunday, is that our world would have different days than that. 
since most of our names for both days and months come from religion. While religion still exists in this world, it is viewed as more of a trend, like someone going Christian for a week. There are still devout Christians and devout Jews, and even Hindus, Buddhists, the list goes on and on. But those are people who do it for money. As mentioned earlier, people only do things if they have a purpose. They see no reason to devote their lives to this thing unseen, unless they're getting something out of it. So, while they may call them donations, you know exactly where that money is going. After your boss left, you started dusting the shelves, making it look all nice and pretty. Of course, you knew that probably no one would ever, like, would ever come in, really. While some poets took to art, others took to technology. And so this world became much more technologically advanced than ours. So yes, these books were nice in paperback form, or just physical form in general. But, almost every single one of them you could find online for free. You suppose it was just the appeal, the thought of having something to hold in your hands. But, again, you didn't quite understand. If it doesn't serve a purpose, why is it still here? You yourself would never know. As you were cleaning, you found something on one of the lower shelves that no one ever touches. Past the dusty old dictionaries with only a hundred pages, past the books on the Cyrillic alphabet, you found a box. The box was fairly small, made of a well-polished cherry wood. No decoration adorned the lid. Everything was smooth and seamless. The only thing that attracted your eyes to it was a tiny little padlock glinting in the zealous light. It was strange, by sure. Who would leave a box? in a bookshop that no one goes to. Your first assumption was Joe, or maybe his wife. But they were old people. It made no sense for them to hold on to such memories. It is very rare in this world to hold on to memories, you see. While it is nice to reminisce, and sometimes they will get souvenirs from going to trips, it's rare. Poetry is one of the most simple ways that us, as humans, can jot down memories. And without that simple pleasure, well, these people had no idea what they were doing. Some of them were blessed with being artistically inclined. They'd paint, and by doing this, 
they found a way to remember. But after that, the only other thing there were were memorials. Where Ohio once stood in the United States of America, all of Ohio has been taken up with just memorials. Block after block, street after street, they line the sides of highways because people don't know how to remember. Scrapbooks are always an option, but us Americans, you go big or you go home. interested in this box. You've been living a fairly boring life, I must admit. I didn't want to tell you, in case you were worried how this you was doing. But you're doing just fine. Trust me, it's just... All the days sort of seemed to blend together. It was nice to have something new. You tried to figure out how to open the box. You tried bulk cutters. Nothing. You tried melting the lock. No luck. You even tried calling up your old friend, Jack, to see if maybe he could pick the lock. He was inexperienced. He called up some friends of his. No luck. By this point, it was ten at night, and finally your boss came back from fishing. What are you doing with the box? He asked. Is this yours? He sat you down and explained to you the fact that he had no idea whose box it was. That box has been there for as long as he could remember. And let me tell you something. My family owned this. I can remember that box ever since I was three years old. Can I take it off your hands? You asked him. He shrugged. Sure. It's useless without the key, though. Do you have the key? Well, I never really tested it out, but there's a keychain I have. He took you around back. There was the half-finished part of the building, built a long time ago. They didn't see a reason to officially finish it until it was deemed purposeful. And that side, it was very much of what you would actually envision Brooklyn. Exposed brick walls. <laughs> In there, there was rows upon rows of keys. This used to be a hotel before they converted it into a bookshop. You're not sure, honestly, how you overlooked this detail when you applied for the job. You're not even sure you didn't know this for such a long time. Perhaps you were so wrapped up in your own little world. Well, anyways. You can try any of those. I haven't tried ever. Last time I did, I think I got to around key number 27. 
it might have been the fact that all of them were covered in gunk and didn't quite fit the key lock anyways. Well, good luck to you. You'll need it. And so, you set to work, trying to unlock every single time. The problem you soon realized, each key was covered in some sort of strange combination of rust and mildew. All the things that make it old. It was interesting to be sure. And the situation became more and more complex. And soon, you grew into a rhythm. Key in, key out. Check, wash, try again. Next key, repeat. When we return, I shall skip over the process of all the keys, and we shall know what is inside this box. or I could even tell you specifics, like my zodiac being Aquarius, or if you're into it, the Chinese zodiac, mine being Horse. But really, I find that doesn't really help. Even Myers-Briggs, known for being scientifically inept at figuring out a person, I don't fully trust. Let me rephrase that. I don't feel like it captures who I am. And I find that oftentimes, when giving us our own labels, it makes us feel like we have to live up to that. I just want to be me. So I'm not going to do that. So, you've already known my name for such a long time. And I suppose you've picked up some details along the way. You figured out I'm a student. That I'm sure you figured out. If you've noticed a bit in our third episode, you've probably also figured out I enjoy theater. And due to the amount of times that I've mentioned it, you know that I'm an avid musician. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. When it comes to performing, I love nothing more than to be on a stage. The hot lights. The cold stare of the audience. You can see nothing. And all they can see... Well, they can see everything. I could talk about every single time I've been performing, but then I'm not talking about me, am I? I'm talking about what I am, 
so I decided the best thing to really describe me is what I do. Obviously, I act. I act, I sing, I play trombone. But what else? Even though music is so deep and complex, it's so quick to sum up. I write. Mainly, I write short stories, and EJ, the second person I interviewed for the episode, I loved how she phrased it. Um, she had to write this letter for me, and she phrased it as me writing horror romance stories. And even then, she said that was the best possible way she could think of describing it. Even I don't know what I write. But there's something, there's a reason I write is what I write. What I write exposes what we don't like about ourselves. We like to think we are these perfect beings. And even if we don't, we still think of ourselves to a certain degree better than others. And even if that's not true, we're always comparing ourselves to others. It is the flaws of civilization. So, that's what I write about. Every single flaw you could ever think of as a human being. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about mental. Envy. Pride. Sloth. Those are just the sins. I could go on. That's what I write about. I don't intend to scare the listener, to scare the reader. But our worst fear sometimes is ourselves. That is why I write, as it is best put romance horror stories. <laughs> ah, I digress, though. This podcast isn't about me. It's about poetry. And I talked about it a bit in the last episode when I, when I ended a philosophical rant. But I don't think people quite understand this podcast itself. Because when they hear about it, they think, oh, it's just poetry. And there's actually this article I read. It's the reason why I wanted to start this in the first place. It was written by The Atlantic. It was, what if poetry mattered? And that disturbed me. Because to me, poetry does matter. And it talked about the fact that in our American society, it seems we have declined in this appreciation. There used to be a time in our history where it was greatly appreciated. The 1800s alone, Walt Whitman, Robert Frost, Edgar Allan Poe, 
all wonderful poets, and that is what they are most acclaimed for, writing poetry. Poe isn't known for the Rue Morgue, Murders of the Rue Morgue, or any of these other mystery novels. He's known for The Raven, The Bells, Israfel. Walt Whitman is known for Oh Captain, My Captain, among, amongst others. And Robert Frost, well, personally, I, I think he's a bit overrated. You can't deny what he has made is something beautiful. And to this day, he has one of the most quoted poems. Of course, we can say, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? That's Shakespeare. But I am guaranteeing that at least 90% of the American population knows the phrase, I took the road less traveled and has made all the difference. You can thank Frost for that. I know I'm getting off topic, but really, what are you supposed to do with poetry? I think Percy Shelley probably put it best. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with him, Mary Shelley, his wife, wrote Frankenstein. And part of the inspiration for that novel was the fact that they experienced many miscarriages when they were trying to conceive a child. It's why originally Frankenstein was called Prometheus. This idea of creating a creating a species. Prometheus from Greek mythology created humans. And by Frankenstein creating his monster, he was creating a life that was demented, and that's how Mary felt about all the children that never really existed. They were still made, but they never got to live their lives, and she had nightmares oftentimes about them coming back to haunt her, them cursing her. Percy was just as bad. He had just as bad of demented thoughts as she did. But people don't know him as well because his wife wrote a critically acclaimed sci-fi novel and he's just a poet. <laughs> he did do many things, actually. If you're an atheist out there, he was an avid atheist. I myself am still agnostic, but... I can appreciate someone who fights for their beliefs. But one of the most interesting things about him, in my opinion, he wrote this entire essay. And I'll even give you, you can find it online. It's called A Defense of Poetry. Defense with a C, because he's British. And... Honestly, I know you probably won't read the entire thing. I did, because it just fascinated me. Of He even could tell it was happening. Because even though he lived even earlier than the times of Poe, and all of the other well-acclaimed poets I mentioned earlier, 
he knew that the decline of poetry was going to happen. That eventually, the career he had chosen would be less appreciated than that of a journalist. And he writes on, and one of my favorite things he writes in there, artists, well, more specifically, painters paint, sculptors sculpt, actors act. But poets, they don't just write poetry. They create the architecture for civilization, for society, for our governments. Because no matter how much we like to think that we are different than everyone else, I know I keep on saying this, but I'm going to try and hit it home. We are human. And all humans have the same cognitive needs. And one of those things that has slowly developed into modern day society, even though it's something I personally dislike, we have less attention spans. But because of that, now, more than ever, poetry is taking more of a comeback. Sure, it's not the poetry that the classics are quite comparative to. Nowadays, when people hear haiku, it it doesn't necessarily have to be fives and fives. Other forms of Japanese poetry, the Tonka, the Renga, they're taking their comeback. I'm sure very few of you actually know what that is. Look it up, I'm sure you'll actually enjoy it. Renga, that form of poetry, that's actually even considered a party game. It might not be the funnest in America, but... For those times when electricity goes out, and all you got is a pad of paper and a pen, You know what to do. (laughs) But that's what poetry is. It unites us. And so yes, poets may only make poetry, but poetry makes us. And that's why it's impossible for a world to exist without it. And so even though we're going to continue with the story about you, just keep that in mind. That no matter if you were sitting in an English class dreading the Shakespeare that you had to read, or bored out of your mind reading Edgar Allan Poe, just remember that without them, Your life would be horrendous. After much turmoil, he finally did it. He found the key. It was a bit bigger than you were expecting, considering the small padlock. 
It was nice looking too. You might have taken it home with you. That's another thing that's a bit similar between our world and this world. There's a happy, there's a healthy Oftentimes, people have a very hedonistic view, focusing mainly on themselves. And you, in this world, are no different. Why should you be? It's Brooklyn. You can take what you can get. You can enjoy the little spirals that were made. Silver, too. And surprisingly, the padlock was gold. I'm not quite sure how that science works exactly, but it did fit. And you most certainly heard that clunk as it turned. You weren't quite sure what to expect when you opened up the box. Maybe there'd be a bloodstained mind. Bloodstained thing. A reminder that yes, people need a good old American pastime. Without poetry, people had less to hold on to, less to grasp about their world, and some just couldn't take it. So, oftentimes, you'd hear in the news almost every single day another murder. Another blood lost. But this isn't a story about them. This is a story about you. And are you killing your parents? No. They're happily retired. Living far away from you. Why would they want to live with you? Sure. You're their child. But what personal connection do you have to them? All you do is freeload off of them for 18 years. How does that feel? Sure, from for some of them, you couldn't even talk or walk. That's still another year. And that's exactly how they think. It's probably good for them. New York is tough on the feet. All the walking. Sure, you could catch the subway. If you really want to take that chance. That's what I thought. You finally opened the box. You weren't quite sure what to expect, really. with the success. You did have to appreciate the cherry wood, though. It was a nice color. And then set off with a tumbling clunk. Exit. You 
finally having some light shed on upon me after so many years. Were you surprised it was just books? Were you in a bookshop? It's just books. Look at that one. Quite nice looking too. Some of them have a bit of mildew on them. But nothing you can can't clean up. You do work with a bookstore after all. Looking through your disturbed and perplexed eyesight by what you see. Inside it's addressed. It's a letter stating, Dear Diary. It goes on. This person is very open about their lives, expressing exactly what happened, and all in one day. Sure, you understand, before technology, back before 1755, but this is just horrendous. So many misspellings and so much gushing of emotion. It's horrid. The worst part to you is that they wrote a little short story in the middle of it. person named Diary? Oh, God. The worst part is, that's only one of them. You counted. There's eleven. All written like that. Letter after letter. Addressed to this diary. Who are they? Is it a she? A he? You're seeing is a she, partly because of the way this person gushes and gushes, and you're quite sure that whoever this Veronica is wouldn't be writing home to a man about her experience at this thing called prom. Is that how you say it, though? Prom. It's an ancient word, you suppose. Updated. We have better words. Better than this probe. It's just as bad as that Michigan. I suppose all good things must come to an end, you thought. And seriously, I feel bad for Dyer. Letters in books. They had to read every single letter before they could actually write something back. Then, you might have thought something. What if Veronica never really did send the letters? 
what if she kept them here and it was really just something that she could write for herself? You didn't understand why someone would want to do this. You didn't understand why anyone would want to write anything. Writing is so boring, he thought. There's only one way to say what you feel. If you start crying, then you tell it, and you say, I am crying. It's why very few people express their emotions anymore. Very few are able to do it. The only time you ever heard someone express an emotion other than content or fine was after a murder. It appeared murder brought out all forms of emotion. And the worst part was, it wasn't just one. You couldn't understand. There's only one way to say something. Sometimes you could say, I am feeling excited and happy. You remember turning on the radio and hearing this woman named Dolores sob. Confused and a little bit angry. She didn't understand. That isn't how English works, he thought. You can't be something that contradicts with another. Angry and sad are the exact opposite, aren't they? That's not what you were taught. That's what you were always taught at 274. There's no in-between motion. There's nothing in between. Everything either is or it isn't. There's no reason for there to be an in-between. Why should there be? It is either perfect or it is wrong. That is what is right. The motto of 274 echoes through your head. If it isn't perfect, it is wrong. Everything we know is supposed to be perfect, isn't it? Other countries still experience the same things we do, don't they? You could never afford to go and travel anywhere. How could you? Well, bookkeeper salary. to feel a bit sad, but you were still confused, and it was confusing and almost perplexing, as your grandmother would say, an older form of the same word. You were lost. through these letters to diary. You were lost. I'll skip over the saddening details of that night. I'm 
sure you can probably figure out what you would do yourself. You probably figured out that you yourself started writing yourself some letters. You still didn't understand the name Diary. So you wrote them to another person. Your mother. She was a bit confused at first of why you were addressing letters to each other. But she wrote back. And eventually she invited you over to stay with her for a bit. Down in Georgia. She used an older word. She said that she missed you. This troubled you, confused you as well, but you came down, and the strangest thing happened. Your mother hugged you when you got out of the car, and then she started crying. When you finally parted from each other's touch, Still spilling from her eyes, she finally told you the news of why she brought you all the way down here. Your father had passed. Normally, in this world, those things shouldn't be affecting so much. Sure, people get murdered, but even if it's your neighbor, you didn't know him that well, did you? I'm sure he was your father, but... You just lived with him. But why do you still feel this way? And then... It happened. A teardrop fell. From the very moment it hit the floor, the empty. You will never know what the emptiness is, even to the point that you die. But what will happen is that eventually it will just gnaw away. Closer and closer. Until you find a way to heal that emptiness. You'll never know that's a bit of your human self that you lost by not having poetry in your world. You'll never know that. You'll never know what you missed out. I'm Jack, and this has been a story about you. Thank you, and good night.